can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. It's two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with r and I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And when we were doing this show last week, we thought the Nets were going to be we're going to we're going to have their team coming back. We thought the Nets were going to run it back with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and that is absolutely not the case now. As on Thursday, Kevin Durant shocked the sports world, and now he wants to be traded out of Brooklyn. Uh, it, it is it is absolutely it is absolutely crazy. It's absolutely shocking that that, that that he wants out. I mean, it it, it, it is it is crazy. I mean, and and right now his preferred destinations are the Miami Heat. Or the Miami Heat or the Phoenix Suns, but it's going to be hard for him to get to either of those destinations because if you're looking at the Heat, they can't trade Bam out of Idaho because you can't you can't have two guys in your team can't trade for two guys who got the rookie max extension and and Bam did and Ben Simmons did and the Phoenix Suns they're if they're if they're going to get uh, Kevin Durant they're going to have to trade DeAndre they're going to have to trade DeAndre Ayton and it's and there's there's and DeAndre Ayton could end up being could end up getting traded too. So it's very, very it's getting traded before the Nets trade Durant. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens with Kevin Durant right now. But this is just crazy now that, that he wants out of, out of Brooklyn. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it is. And, you know, I don't know if it's because, you know, I know there was one saying, oh, it was Kyrie, not, um, you know, that, that he didn't like how the Nets didn't enable Kyrie enough, which I think is ridiculous. And I think they, you know, 
we're too lenient on him. And then, you know, I, I also, I just, and Kevin Durant's one of the best basketball players in the world, and he's been for a while now. But yet again, so, you know, back last year at OKC, they're up 3-1 in that series into the Warriors. They blow it. What does he do? Go join the Warriors, you know, then decides to go kind of team up with Kyrie, which was, which was a mistake. And now the two teams on his preferred destination are the two one season full conferences. He, you know, like, come on, Katie. The, you know, again, now if I'm the Nets and the way that things kind of gone, I, I would have ripped up that list that he wrote and I just trade him wherever I, wherever I get the best price to. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to ruin my organization. Tell me where you want to be traded. But. Exactly. And that's why the Nets have the leverage right now. They have the leverage. They're going to, they're going to wait. They're going to wait until they get the best deal possible. And they absolutely should. I mean, I mean, you look at what Rudy Gobert went for four first round picks. Tevin Durant's going to go for at least, at least five first round picks. The Nets, yeah, you, you wait and you get the best deal you possibly can. You, I mean, you, you, you wait, you wait this out. Yeah. You're not going to let Kevin Durant dictate what he wants to do, what he wants to do. You, you wait this out if you're, if you're the Brooklyn Nets and, and, and you get, you get the best deal possible. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think, I think we're going to be in for this for a really long time. I think this is going to go on, you know, into late July or early August. Yeah, I definitely could see that, you know, cause yeah, with Gobert got, I know we'll get to that trade, but you know, again, that sets the market right there. And KD is by far better basketball player than Rudy Gobert is. So, and, and KD still has four years left in his contract as well. So um yeah I, again he's yeah this thing could go on for a little bit here yeah the net the nets have to get because again you don't want to go in a full rebuild yet yet again and because they don't have much assets right now so yeah they, they really need to build up some asset here they need to try to get somebody you know they need to get somebody back that kind of help them out here maybe try to you know um but yeah yeah i, I could really see this trade going up make going on for a while before they finally find a deal for him oh I, oh absolutely absolutely and one of the biggest things that's came up and this is this, this surprised me a little bit but it makes a little bit of sense is his, him coming back to the warriors and uh yeah the warriors do have the assets to do it they could get rid of a kaminga they could get rid of an andrew wiggins they could go get rid of a james wiseman and a bunch of picks to acquire kevin durant to have him come back and play with steph curry and play thompson it'll be a little awkward and, and draymond green see especially draymond green see the way things end yeah. with the warriors but I would not rule it out with Kevin Durant. I would not rule out a return to the Warriors. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't rule it out. No, I wouldn't either. Now I think that would be ridiculous. He goes back there and just, yeah, the way things ended there with him and Draymond did not end pretty. Um, but yeah, like again, what's their, their, their you know, their, their, their um, cap will be over 300 million. Something like that. Like, you know, I, I don't know how they could work that out and all that. Yeah, I, I think that would be ridiculous if Kitty really wanted to go back there and those three wanted to go team up again. Um, it just that wouldn't even be fair for the rest of the league the way that you know um, that would shake out because we saw that team won seventy three games you know together. Uh, that, that team created, but yeah, the Warriors totally had the asset. They 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 do such a great job of drafting and, and finding skill guys and just again what they've done with Andrew Wiggins too, you know. Um, they, they definitely have the assets that they could really move here for Kevin Durant. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely, I definitely could see it happen, but I don't think it's going to happen, but now we're going to go to who, what, what are our three most likely, who do we think are, are the three most like teams that are most likely, uh, going to trade for Kevin Durant. And, uh, on my list, number one to me 
I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors. To me, to me, the Toronto Raptors they have the they have they have a player like Scotty Barnes they can trade. They have the assets they can trade a bunch of first round picks. Uh, and then for him, if he joins that team with let's say with a Pascal Siakam with a Fred Van Fleet, that's going to I mean they, they would be probably the best team. They'd be, they'd be they'd be the best team in the Eastern Conference if he goes there. And we all know Messiah Jiri. He did it. He did this with he did this back in 2018 when he traded for Kawhi Leonard. And he had to trade DeMar DeRozan, but it was the, one of the best moves the Raptors ever made because they won an NBA t- championship. I would not be completely surprised if he was a Toronto Raptor right now. I think that's the most. I, I mean, that it's it's probably not going to happen for a while, for a couple for about a couple weeks. But I think that's the most likely trade destination for Kevin Durant not right now. Number two for me is obviously the Phoenix Suns. This is his number one trade destination. They could give up a DeAndre Ayton. They could give up a Markel Bridges. They could give up a bunch of picks. It's the place where he wants to be. The Suns. They are they are they are in win now mode. Last year they won 64 games. The year before they got to the NBA Finals, but they want to win that championship. And I think Kevin Durant is that Kevin Durant would definitely be that guy. Yes, he's not a leader, but he wouldn't have to be a leader because Chris Paul would be the leader of that team. So and and all Kevin Durant would have to do is hoop. And you saw what happened when all Kevin Durant had to do was hoop and not be the leader in Golden State. He won two championships. So I think that I think and there's a reason this is Durant's top destination because they he knows the leader that Chris Paul is. So. Yes, I, that's why that's why uh, Phoenix is number two and number three. It would be the Miami Heat, the best, probably the best organization in the NBA. The issue with the Heat, though, is they can't trade. Just like I stated at the top, they can't trade Bam out of bio because you can't trade for two guys who got the rookie max extension. The, the Nets and, and and the Nets would have to and the Nets would ask for Bam out of bio in the deal. So it would really be the net. The, the Heat would have to give up Jimmy Butler, which I don't think they're going to do. They would have to give up Tyler Hero. That's probably not enough. Uh, so the, 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 the Heat would have to trade Bam, and and the Nets can't have two guys on their team with with two rookie max extensions because the Nets traded for Ben Simmons in the James in the James Harden trade. So, so uh, I think I think the Heat are like are likely, but not as likely as the Suns or the Raptors for me. Justin, who what are your top three destinations for Kevin Durant? Um, you know, for the top two, I have the same ones as you. I have the Raptors the number one as well. Yeah, Scotty Barnes, who you know had an unbelievable rookie year. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, you could probably build a package around him. You know, Gary Trent had a breakout year too. I think that could be a very intriguing piece as well for the Nets. And yeah, as you mentioned, we saw what they did, with, you know, they traded for Kawhi. Like they'll, they'll go for it if they have to. And you saw it did really pay off in them. Siakam, um, you know, Fred Van Vliet would be a really nice year. I, I agree. I think that would be the top team right there in the Eastern conference. Number two. Yeah. I also have the Phoenix Suns. Um, yeah, you know, with, with Bridges, you know, who's had a really good year. I think Cam Johnson, too, could be a piece you could add in, in that as well. And DeAndre and yeah, if they could, you know, if the Suns could hold off long enough and trade Aiton, you know, to the Nets whenever, you know, if that happens, they could use, you know, they could be able to use him as well, um, which I think him and Ben Simmons and the pick and roll kind of deal would I think would be really good for – I think that would be a really good duo right there. Um, obviously, I don't think they'd be a contender, but I think they, you know – could maybe be one of the bottom four teams in the Eastern Conference, you know, somewhere like the five to eight, nine range, but um, in the Eastern Conference. But so I, I could also see the Phoenix Suns being a destination. My third one, too, I had the New Orleans Pelicans. I know they just signed Zion. Do they try to make a desperation move here, try to make Zion happy for a while? Now, that would probably mean, though, you would have to give up Brandon Ingram, though. I wouldn't. But maybe you could find a way around them. You know, do you 
I don't think they try to give McCollum either, but you might have to give up a, a Brandon. You probably would have to give up an Ingram, you know, um, to get that deal done there. But would the Pelicans make it? Would the Pelicans make that deal desperate enough, trying to keep Zion happy, trying to finally get something going? Because they really haven't done much the last couple of years. I know, you know, Ron Zion, they had Anthony Davis there. They really haven't done anything. Do they try to make the splash now? For Kevin Durant, I know they did trade for McCollum back in, um, you know, January, February, but maybe it's a possibility. I don't really see it happening, but, um, you know, but maybe I, I that's probably why they're third on my list, but maybe the Pelicans are desperate enough to make that deal. Oh, if the Pelicans are going to trade for Kevin Durant, they're going to have to give up Brandon Ingram, guaranteed. That is definitely going to have to happen. At minimum, the Pelicans would have to trade Brandon Ingram and five first-round picks at minimum if he was going to get traded to the Pelicans. They're definitely going to have to give up Ingram. That, 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 that's obvious. So, yeah, I mean, but I do I do like the – I do think the Pelicans, they do have a package. They do have a package. So that's going to be very, very interesting to, to see what happens there and where he goes. I think right now I'd say the top four destinations are the Suns, the the Heat, the Raptors, and the Pelicans. I would say those are the top four trade destinations right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, the Pelicans with Vancouver, Herb Jones, Trim Murphy, you know, they maybe do something there around that type stuff with, with the Brandon Ingram. Um, but, yeah, the Heat as well, they're right there with that BAM. Yeah, it'd be tough to trade BAM. But, yeah, because I, I, I did agree with your point. I don't think Tyler Hero is good enough to build an entire package around him. I think he'd be a nice addition to the package. But, yeah, you can't build it around Hero. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Those are top four destinations that he most likely will go to. Absolutely. And there is one other possibility, too. And and Vegas's odds went from like fifty to one to twenty to one from yesterday to la- to, to, to today on on the Nets' chances to win the NBA championship, and that might mean something. I think there is it's not a great chance, but there is probably a small chance he could be on the. It's not a great. It's not a big. It's not a. It's not. It's not a. It's not a. It's not, a, uh, it's not likely, but there is a chance he might be on the Brooklyn Nets next next year. Seeing what Vegas is seeing Vegas's odds. Yeah, I wouldn't be totally surprised. You know, it'll be interesting if he really wants to sit out. I don't know if he got to that point of saying, I'm never putting on Nets uniform. I'll sit out if I have to next year. Um, you know, so yeah, and with the odds going to that, it doesn't sound like that will be an option. He, he probably would not do that. So, yeah, you know, I, I could see maybe Kyrie tries talking, you know, Kyrie wants to say here, maybe he tries talking Katie into staying, or maybe in that deal, they get an all star level player. Maybe it keeps Kyrie happy, and maybe I, you, know, you you never know what Kyrie was going to make him happy or not, or make him tick and all that. So maybe they get somebody good enough back. But yeah, I, I could totally see it possible that maybe he kind of changes, maybe ends up kind of saying here with the Nets, um, you know. But that'll be it. Be very interesting to see what happens with um Ke- Kevin Durant here, because again, because it's going to take so much. To it and there's a lot of risks that as well for trading him. So it is going to take some time. And I don't think this deal is going to be done, you know, in, in a week or so. As we mentioned early on, it's it's probably not going to be towards, you know, in this month, probably August, maybe even the training camp. Who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you brought up Kyrie Irving. That's going to lead us to our next point. How is this going to affect Kyrie Irving? And I think it's going to, I think there's no way of, if Kevin Durant's gone, Kyrie will be gone as well. Or if Kevin Durant stays, Kyrie will stay. So they're both going to either stay on the nets together or they're going to be out together. And I think there's really one destination 
that Kyrie's going to go if he's not on the Nets next year. I think that's the Lakers. I think it's the Lakers. I think they're going to figure out a way to, to – I think the Nets are going to – obviously, they're going to trade uh, Kyrie to the Lakers, and the Lakers are going to give him Westbrook and picks. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, if, Ky- if Kyrie isn't a Brooklyn Net, I think he's going to be with the Lakers playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, I could totally see that happening. Now, I know I mentioned this, I think, last week, but Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons on the, on the same team. I, I just don't know how it's going to work. Especially if you don't have a KD and Kyrie Irving, I just packed the paint the entire time. You, you, know, you can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, there's no way that's going to work. The, 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 oh. There might be a buyout with Westbrook and the Nets if that happens. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, you're probably right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. They, I think you would have to. It's just there's no possible way you can play those two at the same time. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because he's the only player that's really criticized kind of playing with LeBron before. And I'm surprised it seems like LeBron's open to playing with him again. I, I think LeBron knows he's a good player and knows he's better than Russell Westbrook. But, I again, I don't know if I'm LeBron if I want to deal with all the headaches. And is does he really want, like, you know, going out to L.A., will he really want to, uh, you know, how much is he really going to care about that? You know, like, is LeBron really going to – is LeBron going to get into him when he goes away for, like, a week for and just kind of abandons the team for a week? Like, you know, I don't see – LeBron being okay with something like that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. It should be very, very interesting to see what happens with KD and Kyrie. But we got to get to some other offseason news. And we had a huge trade on Friday as the Minnesota Timberwolves acquired Rudy Gobert. As the Timberwolves acquired Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz, Jazz for four first-round picks. That is a ton to give up for Rudy Gobert. But the six, the, the, the uh, Timberwolves have a great, have a really talented team now with Anthony Edwards, with Carl Anthony Towns. With uh, D'Angelo Russell's, this is a really, really talented team. It's a major, major upgrade over Jared Vanderbilt uh, uh, for, for for the Timberwolves. So it'll be it'll be nice. It'll be kind of old school to see Carl Anthony two big two kind of two bigs there. You know, with with Anthony Towns playing the four, with Gobert playing the five. It's a little old school there. It'll obviously, improve them defensively. But the big question is: Is this team a contender in the Western Conference with Rudy Gobert? It was this was a it was a tough one for me. But I'm going to say no because this Timberwolves team has to prove they can win a playoff series for me to say they're a contender. This is a talented team. And by by 2023, I think this team will be a strong – by 2023, 2024, I think this team will be a strong contender in the Western Conference. But right now, they got to prove to me that they can win a playoff series. I mean, they very easily could have won that series against the Timberwolves. They blew some big leads in games that they lost. But they got to prove they can win a playoff series. They have the talent to do it. They got to prove they can do it in the postseason – for me to say that they are a contender in the Western Conference, Justin, does this mean that they the Timberwolves are a contender in the Western Conference? No, I'm completely with you. I just think this was just a desperation move by this organization by the Timberwolves. I know they've only won one postseason series in 33 years, but to give up four first rounders for Gobert, who's a nice player, but the guy hasn't averaged more than 16 points in the season, is a lot to give up. Um, and I, I tease a nice player, um, and Tom Lombardi. Uh, these end new contracts a while. Booker and Towns getting four years, 224 million, both superstars. But that's a lot of cash. Goes to show you're you are much more than the organization making. Absolutely, it's oh yeah, I, I I completely agree with that comment from Tom. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a ton of money for. I mean, I think uh, yeah, I mean it's a lot of money for those guys. But that's but that's the way. That's the way the NBA is today. That's the way it is. You saw Jokic's ex- is, is extension. It was crazy. 
that's just the way the NBA is today. I mean, yeah. they're throwing out money hand over fist and they're trying to keep these superstars hand over, and they're trying to keep these superstars in these cities, especially in these small markets like Minnesota and Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're trying to stay competitive. And I think at some point, you know, is it going to get to, we're, gonna see, we're probably going to see maybe the next five, 10 years, maybe guys getting 50, 55 million, you know, if teams keep kind of pouring in this money that they're making right now, but, you know, depending on the new, I know the new CBA and TV thing, I think it's next year they, they negotiate. So after that, we could, we could see a lot more, you know, we could see countries of 50, but yeah, make you guys happy. Even though the one thing is, it's like, you know, we talk about KD and it, a lot of these guys too, if they're not happy, you know, like if I'm a GM, it, it's, it, it's a lot to, you know, sign a guy for four or five years because he may want it out in a year or two. And, you know, maybe tough to trade a salary like that if the guy does not want to be there. That's, that's like the only thing, you know, um, like it may, it's tough to kind of make a long-term commitment at times. Um, from time again, if the people are filling the stand, stands and watching the games, the players will get paid. Absolutely. And exactly. TV exactly. contracts as well. And that's what's happened. TV contracts are huge. People are showing up to NBA games. That's why they're getting all this money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if the, you, get, you know, um, they have one of the best TV deals out there. Yeah, you know, NBA, a lot of fans, you know, you got all the superstar people want to come watch night in and night out. And especially at these small markets, that's not, you know, especially at these small markets now, you know, where, where even, you know, some of these guys have some talent. Like, you know, we saw kind of Giannis down Milwaukee saying there. Yeah, and I think it kind of just helps out everything around Milwaukee now that Giannis is staying there. So, yeah, you know, um, it's kind of – it's good for the league that you're kind of finding seeing superstars kind of everywhere. They like to kind of stay in put, but, um, they, they, you know, Giannis has in Milwaukee, not kind of jumping to some big – to the Lakers or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it's good for the good for the sport. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, back to the Gobert trade. I just think – I think the Timberwolves are – as I said, they're very talented, but I don't think they're as – obviously, I don't think they're as good as the Warriors – I would not take them over Memphis because Memphis beat them in that playoff series. I think that Memphis is a little bit ahead of them. Phoenix is obviously ahead of them. I think with their experience, Phoenix is Phoenix is ahead of them. And I also think Dallas is ahead of them because they got to the conference finals. And I know that Minnesota overall is a better roster than Dallas, but I'm taking Luca over. I'm taking Luca over anybody Minnesota has. So I would say there's four teams right now ahead of them, and you could argue the Clippers could be ahead of them if they stay healthy. Now that's a big, big if. If they stay healthy, John John Wall hasn't played a full season in five years. Kawhi Leonard's coming off a torn ACL, so that's a big if. And then the, if the Nuggets have Murray and uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, but that's another big if there. If, if, if Murray's the same player he, that he was in the bubble or if uh, if uh, Michael Porter Jr. can stay healthy, that's another big if. But right now, as I, as I said, I don't have them as title contenders, and, and you agree, Justin. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I put them right there around – the sixth best team to watch the conference with you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we kind of seen Rudy Gobert hasn't been great either in the playoffs. Like, I don't, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's a really good defense player. He's one of the best in the sport, you know, especially down low, but I just, yeah, I don't think this is a, you know, it's definitely an upgrade from Vanderbilt. And, but like, that's not saying a lot. I just think it's just, it's just a, I think it's a little bit of a desperation move. You think they definitely got a little bit better adding him. Cause I know Charlie Anthony Towns is not a great defender down low. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I, I just don't see this team being a contender yet. Maybe another year or two, but yeah, the Western Conference is so tough. I don't think the Warriors are going anywhere. The Suns aren't going anywhere. As you meant, Dallas isn't going anywhere with Luca. 
you know, you got LeBron still too. Like if LeBron can stay healthy, and if they could, and if they do add Kyrie and Kyrie plays and LeBron can stay healthy, they're better than they're they'll be better than the Timberwolves, I think. You know, it depends on what happens if they can find if they could keep AD. I think they, they'll probably be better than Timberwolves. So I could see them on that six seven line and maybe a year or so, maybe Anthony Edwards can make another jump. But um, yeah, right now I, I just don't see him being a contender. We had another trade uh, on Thursday, and that was DeJounte Murray got traded to the Hawks. No, on Wednesday, actually, got yeah. traded from the Hawks to the Spurs. And the big question is here is, are the Hawks a top-four team in the Eastern Conference? I would say no. I still think the Bucs the Bucs are the best. you got the Celtics. Uh, I still think uh, – I think with, with Harden taking less money, now going to be taking less money, and then the Sixers getting PJ Tucker. I think you put the Sixers. I think you, I think you put the Sixers up there. I think you may even put the Raptors up there with Scotty Barnes and the core they got with Van Fleet and uh, with Van Fleet and uh, Siakam. So I would put the Hawks. I put them top five. I would put the. I definitely put the Hawks top five. But I would not say that the uh, that, that that the Hawks are a uh, that the Hawks are a top four team in the Eastern Conference with this trade. And I like their backcourt, but I think there's other teams that are deeper. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I that that back with Murray. I think it's an upgrade from Kevin um, Hoarder, who's a good player, solid defender. Um, happy the King got him. I actually did like that pickup. Um, but yeah, Murray Murray's a solid player. I think he's gonna be really good with um, you know Trey Young. I know he's not a great three point shooter. He shot like 32 percent on the year. He's not great, but yeah, with him, Ky- um, with him, Trey Young, who you know again is kind of. Really has been phenomenal the last couple of years. I know they're trying to trade John Collins as well, but Capella is really good. You know, DeAndre Hunter's had a really good year. I think they have some really good shooters that you know Murray's gonna be able to use out there. Um, but yeah, you know, I I, I think yeah, they're probably right around. I have on that five six line. I think yeah, I still think the Heat are better than the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers, Raptors. I think yeah, you know, especially they get KD could be a little bit better. I think they're right there at the Bulls, kind of being that five six line. Um, I think they're a very talented team. That backcourt is really, really solid. You know, I just – and then last year, too, like, I thought the Hawks were going to take a step up, and they just never did. Um, you know, but, yeah, I think we're – I think it's a good deal for the Hawks, and, um, you know, I, I think it was a really, really nice addition for them that, to add Murray to that backcourt. Absolutely. you got to add a Batman to Trey – you got to add a, a Robin to, to Trey Young's Batman. I, I really, really – I like the move. I like the backcourt. I just don't think they're as deep as, deep as the Bucks, as the Heat, as the Celtics, as even the Sixers, and even the Raptors. I think they're about uh, – yeah, on that 5-6 line. I think they're better than the Bulls, but I, I, I put them on that 5-6 line. I put they're better than the Bulls because I feel like Trey Young is better than anybody on that Bulls roster. So I put them in that 5-6 line. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's a good spot for them right around there, five six. Yeah, it's a talented roster. Yeah, I don't think they have that, you know, um, you know, kind of defend, you know, Durant. But yeah, like they don't have, you know, do they have that guy? You know, DeAndre Hunter's a guy defensively that it's really good, but you know, could he guard, you know, Durant or you know, Jason Tatum in a big spot? Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I think they're just – yeah, they're not there yet. I think Trey Young's a phenomenal player, but, yeah, I don't think he's at the level yet. You know, I, I think Tatum still looked better than him, obviously Durant, you know, and Bede. So, I think he's a very talented player. But, yeah, I just don't – he's not on that, you know, kind of – he's still a little bit behind a couple of those superstars too. Um, but, yeah, the five five six lines are a good spot for him. All righty, we'll go to NBA free agency. And yesterday and last week, James Harden opted out of his $47 million deal 
with the Sixers. But in a way, I respect him for it. I feel like he's going to take less money for the Sixers to be better. You saw the Sixers already signed P.J. Tucker. I think this is, it looks like he's going to be back with the Sixers on a smaller deal. And, and, and I think this move is going to help the Sixers be a top four team in the, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, you know, it, the good thing, yeah, because yeah, he did not really deserve – he does not deserve the $47 billion he was going to get for, you know, um, from the Sixers. So, yeah, I, I think it's good that he wants to kind of take a lesser deal, try to help this, sell, this six, you know, try to help that organization, kind of find some other guys to help him out here. I think, yeah, P.J. Tuck is a nice addition for him. You know, Tyrese Maxey, we saw, had a really good year, you know, good second year there. You know, could, you know Tobias Harris is a is – a, you know, really good shot maker. I know he's could be very hot and cold at times, but I think, yeah, I think the Sixers team, you know, there's still another piece or two away um, for really winning the East. I think they're up there in the top four, but yeah, they need another couple, another piece or two. But yeah. I think it's a good thing for Harden the Sixers here, get a smaller deal done for, you know, less money he was going to get. Bradley Beal signs a five year, $251 billion Supermax deal with the Wizards. And my issue here is, yeah, Bradley Beal got his money. But Bradley Beal, I hate to say it, I don't think he's winning anything with the Wizards. And I and, 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 and uh, I think he should have tested free agency, looked at what the Heat were going to give him, looked at what the Celtics were going to give him. I think he needed to go to a contender because Bradley Beal, he's very good, but it's hard to win with him as your best player. And and for this and this contract, it's going to be, I think, going to be an issue for the Wizards. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't like this. I, I mean, I know Bradley Beal got his money, but I think he's going to have a very, very hard time winning a title in Washington. Do you think he should have signed in Washington? I, I, you know, for him personally, if he's fine in Washington, I think that's you know good for him. I like how he's been loyal to that franchise. But I do agree. At some point, though, you gotta want to go win somewhere, and that's not happening here. You know, they have not been able to kind of build anything. You know, for a while now, and I know they they had Wall there at one point, and they were hoping Beal was gonna be another guy for him, but it just hasn't worked out. So. Yeah, for him, I, I respect the decision that he wants to be in Washington, wants to try to win there. But yeah, at some point, you gotta have a will to want to go win somewhere because it's been long enough here, and just nothing has happened for him. And I don't think, yeah, I don't. It's he's been in the league for ten years now, and I think at some point, yeah, you want to go win somewhere. I think he should have seen what somebody else would give him on the market and try to go, go, you know, play for a contender. But maybe he does in a year or two. But he's he's been very loyal to that franchise, though. He has been. I'll give him credit for that, but I don't think he's winning any titles anytime soon. Another player that stuck with his team, Zach Levine, signs a five-year, $252 million deal with the Bulls. The big question is, is are the Bulls going to win a championship uh, during the length of his contract? And they got to they, – I don't I, with, the, with the current roster they have right now, no, they're not going to. I think DeMar DeRozan, again, he's a very good player, and Zach Levine's a very good player, but I think it's hard to win with either of them as your best player. I think there's going to be – a lot of one and dones in the Chicago Bulls future if they don't retool this roster. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And, and you saw what happened in that Bucks series too. And I know they had some injuries and all that, but they didn't even look like they belonged to the same floor as the Bucks. And I, you know, and I think you know he's it's a very good. Zach Levine's a very good player. DeRozan had a phenomenal year as well. But yeah, I just and it sounds like there's some concerns there with Lonzo Ball's knee, which could be you know could be something deal with it and Vucevic is a good center but he's a very good scorer he's not very good defensively um I, I just yeah I think that Bulls team needs a lot especially on the defensive side of the ball I think they, they still need some work and yeah I could see him maybe getting a semifinal or two there but I don't maybe one of the five years they get to Eastern Conference Finals but I I 
even see that hard to happen. So, yeah, they they they, they really need they they need like a I know it's like a habit, but they need like a Jimmy Butler caliber guy. They 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 need somebody of a Jason. They they need to find like their own Jason Tatum. They need to do something like that. They they want to win a finals. Exactly. Going to my team, they signed Zach. They signed uh, Jalen Brunson to a four-year, hundred and four million dollar deal. Yes, they overpaid him. I'll admit that as a Knicks fan. But this team desperately, desperately needed a point guard. Uh, and, and the big thing is, is for this to work out, they need the next year. RJ Barrett has got to be that guy. He has got to be that guy. And the Knicks have to be. He's got. He's got to be that guy. I mean, I mean, and and he's got to carry the Knicks to the playoffs next year. I mean, if he doesn't. There's going to be a lot of issues. There's going to be a lot of people that said, "I wish we we were we had that second." I know they didn't pass on John Morant. But they're going to be like, "I wish we had that second pick and took John Morant because things would be completely different if that happened." Now the big question is, are the Knicks a playoff team with this move? If RJ Barrett doesn't make a jump next year, I don't think so. I think they're. I think they get into the play-in tournament. I think they're they're right on the fringe of making the playoffs. I think they get into the play-in tournament, but I think they just miss it because right? you look at the Eastern Conference. I, I obviously that the top, you know, three the three teams are better. The the Celtics, the the, the Bucks, and the Heat, they're better. But the, we all know the but, but the Hawks are better because we know Trey Young dominates the Knicks. Uh, the uh, the Sixers are better with with Embiid. They don't have a player anywhere near as good as Joel Embiid. And then you look at the other teams in the Eastern Conference. I think the Raptors are better. I think the uh, I think the I think the Cavs I think the Cavs are better. So uh, and I think the Bulls. I think and that's close. It's close to the Bulls, but I think the Bulls are better. I think they're 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 a little bit deeper than the Knicks. So I would say that the Knicks will, and and, and obviously the Cavs are better. So I would say the Knicks are close to making the playoffs, but I think they just visit if Barrett doesn't make a jump. Yeah, you know Jalen Brunson coming. I know we talked about last week. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good signing for the Knicks. Yeah, yeah you overpaid a bit there, but again, they were la- the Knicks were last last year in assists per game at twenty one a game. They were you know without D Rose on the floor last year, they really struggled the, at the playmaking position. Like they did not really have a point guard there last year. Um, when D Rose got hurt, obviously Walker just Kemba is just not the same guy he was. Unfortunately, um, yeah, I think you know I did. You desperately needed a point guard. You got it. Now, yeah, now, yeah, now can like RJ Barrett step up? I even think like can Evan, Evan Fourier was very good against the Celtics. Other than against the Celtics, he was not great last year. You know, they like, can, can Randall, you know, Randall's still a really solid player. Like, I, I think Jalen Brunson can make some guys around him. Mitchell Robinson, the decent center, and I could not believe that set. That's the first time they gave a rookie a second year deal or their second contract since like 93. That's insane. Oh, wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you didn't that's hear crazy. about that? Yeah. It's like their no, that's first crazy. draft pick since I forgot who it was. But yeah, it's like it's insane. Um so I think yeah, I think the Knicks, I think their floor next year is a playing game. Or in the playing round, I mean. And yeah, I think they're right around a spot where they get the playoffs. I don't think they could win a first round matchup, but maybe they you know it, it they make it in the playoffs. But yeah, I think you know they should be able to get in the playing. I think, you know, the Hornets are a solid team. I think they're right there with the Hornets right now. We'll see what they do. I know they brought back. Clifford. I think they're I think they're a little bit better than the Hornets because of the, with the Bridges incident because mm-hmm. it looks like Bridges is not going to play mm-hmm. for them. So I do think they're a little bit better than the Hornets. Even though they don't have a player as good as LaMelo, I do think they're a little bit better than the Hornets. Yeah, actually, I forgot about the Bridges incident. Yeah, because that, that's – yeah, that's going to hurt because he had a really good year last year with the Hornets. So, yeah, that's probably going to um, hurt. Yeah, that's probably going to hurt them a bit. So, yeah, I – 
Yeah, so I could see them, yeah, being right there at the 9-10 line. They can sneak in, maybe get that 7 or 8, probably the 8 seed and probably get bounced out. But, yeah, um, I think the Knicks, I think with Jalen Brunson, I think it does make them a little bit better. But, yeah, they, there's still definitely work to be done there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So the Celtics uh, traded for Malcolm Brogdon. I like this move. I think this is a good guy to come off the bench. I think now they're a deeper team, you know, with him coming off the bench with Grant Williams and with Derek White. I think the Celtics are a deeper team now. The big question is, is are they still the best team? Are they the favorite in the East coming into the season? I'm still going to say no. I'm still going to go with the Bucks because I'll always – I will say this. If Chris – I've been saying this for a while. If Chris Middleton plays against the Celtics, if he doesn't get hurt, I think the Bucs win that series. So I'm still going to go with the Bucs being the best team going into next year. But I think the Celtics are a close second. Yeah, I think the Celtics are right there. I actually think they might be a little bit better than the Bucks right now. I I actually um, you know, I, I think Tatum makes another jump here. I I think you know Brown continues to play better, gets better. I don't know if we'll make an impact next year, but I really like their pick of JD JD Davis too in the second round in the draft. I think he's somebody who did not play really well last year at Alabama, but there's a lot of hype around him playmaking wise and all that. Like, I don't think he'll be next year. He'll make that jump. But I, I think he could be a solid guy, point guard coming off the bench in the next couple of years for that, for the franchise. Um, I, I think that could be a sneaky good second round pick that they got. But yeah, like we saw the biggest problem with the Celtics in the playoffs was they just could not handle, they, they just, they were turnover machines. And I think now adding Brogdon, Brogdon's got his own little bit of turnover concern, but I think he'll be a bit better than smart. Like Jalen Brown, have, or yeah, ever three turnovers a game in the, um, you know, in the playoffs. So I do like to sell. I, I think right now it's Celtics with Tatum and Brown. I think, I think, you know, they lost some key guys or, you know, they lost, you know, they didn't really lose a ton in that deal. They lost, you know, Smith, who I think, you know, could become a decent player, but I think for the, I think for the Celtics right now, I'll, I think they're still, I think they're a little bit better than the Bucks. I know they don't have a Giannis, even though Tatum's, you know, is up there, but Giannis is still, best player i think in, in the world right now but i'll take what the Celtics have around i think they have a little bit more than the bucks do after middleton there with the bucks so i think it still maybe a little better than so tommy tommy says tommy's a Celtics fan he says the bucks with middleton so i it's very close i i get it but what, what, what it comes down to for me is is Giannis is clearly better than anyone on the celtics he's clearly the best player on the floor when they play against the celtics and middleton you could argue he's as good or better than Jalen Brown. So two of the first three players you're probably, you could be taking, if you're doing a draft, two of the first three players you're taking are bucks. So, and they have the best player in the world. So I think it's very close between the two teams, but I think going into next year, I'm going to go with the bucks because the bucks won a game five on the Celtics home floor without Chris Middleton. And they won two games on the Celtics home floor. I know the Celtics weren't great at home during the postseason, but they won two games on the Celtics home floor without Chris Middleton. So I'm, I'm going to say the bucks, but it is very close. Yeah, it is very – I do think it is a very close race right now. Yeah, I think after you get by Middleton, I think the Celtics, I, you know, are – I think that's kind of when, you know, wins like that third. I know Drew Holiday still had a really good year. I know he averaged 18 points a game, but he's getting up there in age. Like, at, you know, at, at some point, I think you kind of start taking more, you know, kind of Celtic guy. We saw Al Horford have a really good playoff. And, and like, you know, and Robert Williams wasn't healthy, you know, throughout the playoffs, I know, as well. Um, Actually, some NFL breaking – Baker, according to Rap Report, Browns finally trade Baker Mayfield the Panthers for a 2014 fifth round pick. 
Oh wow! 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 That 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 that. that, 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 that. Wow, so it's fine. So finally, so what, what 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 was the pick again? Uh, 2024 fifth round pick. Wow, 2004 uh, 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 fifth fifth 24. So so 2024 yeah. fifth round pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think they were just desperate to 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 to, to make to, to get rid of them. And the funny thing with the Panthers is they got two quarterbacks now that are making 19 million dollars. You got now Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield on the same team. I think the big question is. Who wins the job for the Panthers? Who wins the job at training camp, Baker Mayfield or or, or Sam Darnold? Who, who do you think wins that job at training camp? I'm a, I, I'm a Sam Darnold guy, but I'm I think I think I'm going to go with I think I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. I think they the, the Panthers know what they had with Sam Darnold. He was he started out well, then McCaffrey got hurt and he was terrible uh, last year, and then he got hurt and he was out for the year. But so I'm I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think Baker probably gets it. I'm like I just I know. Same with the Jets and have a ton, even with the Panthers last year. But like, yeah, I think we've seen a little bit more from Baker. Um, you know, I think we see a little bit more from Baker. So I think Baker probably gets it. I was reading too, it didn't sound like Darnold or Matt Rule have a really good relationship either, it sounds like. So I could probably very rarely, I could really see Baker probably winning that, um, you know, that job. Um, He's also Rapport says deal deal is pending physical. All parties split the financials to make it happen. So it sounds like you know um, Panthers only got to pay half of that contract. Sounds like so. Yeah, I think probably the I think you know I think Baker probably starts here for the uh, Carolina Panthers. It, we'll see what we can do with McCaffrey. I know we had some weapons there at Cleveland, but maybe a new situation for him. Maybe it's one of those things. I know I said the same thing about Darnold last year, but maybe this kind of helps him. Maybe now he's. Because it seems like Baker always plays better when he's got that chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he will. And he definitely will have a chip on his shoulder yeah. this year. Yeah, so yeah. maybe you get the best Baker. Um, yeah, you've seen Baker's career. Good year one, uh, terrible year two, and then he had his chip on his shoulder in year three, played well. Year four, he was hurt, but he struggled. So it seems to be every other year. I think the big question is, is if Baker Mayfield wins the job, could he be the Panthers quarterback of the future? And the problem is, is, I just don't think the Panthers, with their roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I know they've improved on the offensive line. I like DJ Moore, but the issue is, is, is their offensive. I mean, they improved on their offensive line, but it's shaky. McCaffrey can't stay healthy, and their defense is good, but it's not great. So, I would say no. I still think the Panthers are a five-six win team at bat. <coughs> they're five-six. They're probably going to win at most five-six games. So, I do not think he'll be their franchise quarterback in the future. No, probably not either. I don't think he will either. I don't know what their feelings right now are on Corral. I I think he could. I just don't know if he can run an NFL offense. I, you know, I just, we haven't seen it, what he did at Ole Miss, you know, with Blaine Kiffin style. He did a big arm, and I thought he really improved last year. But, yeah, I, I don't, you know, so I don't know if Corral's going to be that guy for him. And, yeah, with Baker, I just, yeah, I think it could be tough. I don't, you know. It depends on how he does and what the and what, who's looking at next year at the uh, you know free agency and all that. You know, maybe if he's got a decent year, maybe you know the Panthers kind of sign him cheaply. He comes back on a short deal, and maybe the and maybe the Panthers try to kind of figure out their quarterback after that. Um, but it'll be interesting too because it depends too on what happens with Matt Rule in that in that front office as well. It, it could be a new whole front, you know, new um whole front office next offseason. Maybe they do. Maybe they do try to keep Baker for a year, 
try to figure out their quarterback situation in the future. Maybe they try to use him one more year next, you know, um, in 2023, try to figure out their franchise quarterback and maybe try to get him on a one-year deal. I don't know if he would take something like that, but maybe I don't, yeah, I think it all kind of depends on how the Panthers do this off this season. For me, he has to play great or the Panthers are going to move on and draft a quarterback. This is really, this, this is, this is the one year, this is the prove it year for Baker Mayfield. First, he's got to win this job. He's got to win the job in training camp. And then he's got to prove it. He's, he's, he, this is the year where Baker Mayfield's got to prove it because he doesn't prove it this year. I think he's a career-long backup, just like Sam Darnold probably is going to be for the rest of his career because he had a bad year in Carolina last year. Yeah, absolutely. I could, I could definitely see it. You know, Baker's kind of showing that. As you mentioned, he's shown the flashes before. We haven't seen it enough where he should be a full-time starter, you know, for most franchises. And same thing, um, yeah, with, with Darnold. So, yeah, it's a big kind of – Definitely a big year for Maker. Baker, you know, he's got, you know, McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy, you know, Robbie Anderson, um, you know, as a solid wide receiver. We'll, we'll see if he can make it happen. I know the offensive line still a big question mark for him. The defense is still really young. Um, the coaching staff that's kind of probably playing for the jobs this year too. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be a situation. Maybe we see the best of Baker, as, as uh, we mentioned. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, if he does not play well this year, he's definitely going to have – Probably will not be a starting quarterback probably in 2023. Probably not. Absolutely not. And on the Brown side of this, it looks like we don't know the length of Deshaun Watson's suspension, but it looks like Jacoby Brissett could potentially be the starting quarterback for the entire year this year for the Browns. We know the Browns have a good roster, but the big question is, could they be – we know they're not a Super Bowl contender, but could they be a, could they get a wild card spot with Jacoby Brissett? And I'm going to say no because the AFC is, too, is, is, is way, way – the AFC is loaded. Maybe in the NFC – you can make a you can you, you you can make a case that they could, but the AFC is just way too loaded. If Jacoby Brissett is the Browns starter for the entire season, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Brissett's a good good you know it's a good backup. He's a you know he's an okay starter. You know, there's there's a reason why he's a career backup um, for the most part. But yeah, I, again, that's a, you know a, a, the AFC is just a giant gauntlet right now, and the NFC North is, is you know there's no weak weakling in that conference either. You know, I. Like, because I know the Steelers right now are probably the worst team on paper, but it's still the Steelers. You still, they're still going to, you know, they'll still be around 500, you'd think. So, yeah, I just think it's just going to be too much of an uphill battle for the Browns. And, yeah, I, it, it, you know, if he's, it sets a starter for all 17 games, I don't see them being a playoff team. No. And there's now one more domino to fall, one more quarterback domino to fall. And that's where, where does Jimmy G go? And that's going to be the big question in the next couple of weeks. Which it's now looking like the Niners could release him, and he could end up, you know, the Seahawks can end up signing him because the Seahawks had no interest in Baker. Even though there were rumors about Baker, the Seahawks had no interest in Baker Mayfield. So really, there's really one spot for Jimmy G, and that's Seattle. And and, and the Niners are not going to trade him there. They're going to have to release him, and then the Seahawks are going to have to sign him. Yeah, which would be an interesting one there, yeah, because I can't imagine Drew Locke, you know doing well there we, we've kind of seen what he's been there so yeah that's like the last time we'll fall we'll, we'll is um be interesting maybe you know jimmy g knows familiar with the situation it, the nfc west there maybe he's got that chip on his shoulder too to kind of prove it to san francisco that he should be the guy over you know um trey lance you know you still got Lockett there you still got dk metcalf you got two decent wide receivers maybe he can do something with there but um It'll be interesting, yeah. The, the, he's the last one to fall. Probably, hold, you know, in the next couple of weeks, yeah, we'll probably kind of figure out more of, you know, how interesting, you know, where kind of what's going to happen there with Jimmy G. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. 
So we'll wrap up in the NBA, and uh, we'll talk about Zion Williamson getting the rookie max extension from the Pelicans. I know he's only played 85 games in, in three seasons with them, but for me, this is the right move just because of his talent. I mean, when he's on the floor, he's box office. There are very few players in the league. That, yeah, I know he can't shoot any threes, but there are very, very few players in the league that can get to the basket like Zion. And, and say Zion winds up – and if Zion winds up learning how to shoot threes, he's going to be a top ten player in this league. So I think the Pelicans made the right move, you know, giving Zion this extension. And, and if they don't trade for Durant, that's a really good big three with Ingram, Zion, and McCullough. Yeah, you know, um, I'll be honest. I know Zion's been, you know, is a – has been phenomenal to say it on the floor. I just think there's too many question marks to give him a, you know, the max deal like this. He hasn't stayed healthy. I know the weight's been an issue. You know, I, I know, I know they had to keep him happy because I know he he asked for like the trade request back. You know, you know, like a year ago. So somewhere around, I know like in the last year he's asked for a trade, and I know this is probably the only thing the Falcons do to keep him here. It ain't they didn't want to flop again with a big star. So I get why they're doing it. I just think there's too many question marks with them. And he just he's played 85 games. He really hasn't been able to stay on the floor for you. He's got so much talent. I completely agree with that. We just haven't seen it enough. And I just I, I think it, you know, if he cannot stay on the floor, it just, you know, I think it just um could wind in a terrible contract. I completely understand it's gonna be, yeah, he's gonna be a guy you're gonna want to pay a ticket for and go watch. Um, but I think it's just a, I think it's a huge risk there to give him the super max knowing, not really knowing, um, he could stay healthy. I don't know what the weight's had in any of that, but you know, some of the workout videos I've seen, it does not look like he's shooting. It looks like he's just kind of dunking more and yeah, and he could get to the basket. Great. But he's great at that. I, but yeah, he's got to learn how to shoot. But the thing is, is the Pelicans already lost one, one number one overall pick with Anthony Davis. I don't think they're going to want to do it again. That's why I think that was the biggest reason why they gave him this ma- this max contract, max extension. So this max rookie max contract extension because they already lost one guy. Yeah, uh, we lost Anthony Davis. I I don't think they want to lose Zion r- r- right away. No, I completely agree. Yeah, they did. I completely agree with what you're saying. They don't want to lose a num- n- another number one pick because I know the fan base is going to be angry at him, and, and Zion will be you know. Again, he's been great when he's been on the floor. He's played really well. Um, it's just, yeah, the question is, could he just do it? And, yeah, I, again, it's tough for the Pelicans. They've had Anthony Davis. They got to the playoffs, what, one time? You know, and they were a seven seed, seven or eight seed. They got swept or, you know, so he hasn't been great, you know. So, yeah, they haven't been great. You know, I know they had there when they were still the Hornets, they had Chris Paul. Um, they really haven't, you know, they, they haven't had much luck kind of building around their stars. And I know they're trying to finally do it now, you know, with Ingram and McCollum, who are two solid players. But you need Williamson to play. He hasn't done it. I know why you're giving the contract. I just think it's a huge risk here. You're giving a lot of money to a guy that you don't know if he's going to be able to hold up um, and, and play. You know, can he just play like 50, 60 games next year and kind of try to show something that, you know, he's – you know, he's going to be able to stay on the floor here for years to come. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens with Zion and the Pelicans. But we got the Yankees heading to heading up to Fenway for the first time this year. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? 
How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. All righty, we got the big series at Fenway Park this weekend between the Yankees and Red Sox. The Yankees obviously have a huge lead, but the Red Sox are in a wild are in a, are in the, are definitely in that have definitely have a really good chance to make the playoffs. Obviously, it's a bigger series for the Red Sox because we know the Yankees are going to make the playoffs and probably win the AL East. But still, a big test for the Yankees going to Fenway Park this weekend. It starts tomorrow night at Fenway Park, and it all starts tomorrow night with uh, Garrett Cole. And I'm going to have you pronounce this pitcher's name that's pitching. It starts with a W. I can't pronounce his name, but you've been you've been covering the Red Sox for a while. Uh, what, what, what's that guy's name? Was pitching tomorrow night? Josh uh, Winkowski. He came over Josh. in the uh, Ben Attendee deal. Oh, from from the for the Royal. From he's the guy who came over yep. from the Royals, and uh, he's actually pitched pretty well. But look at the teams he's went up against: the A's, the Tigers, the Orioles, the Guardians, and the Cubs. Whole different ball game going up against the Yankees uh, this this weekend. So, so him against Garrett Cole, I think, in the first game of the series tomorrow night. I got the Yankees winning that one. But what should we expect to see from this from this new pitcher from the Red Sox? Um, Mikowski, he's looked pretty good. You know, I know his first start against the Mariners was kind of shaky. Or not the Mariners. Or, um, against Baltimore, he, he did not look great. But other than, you know, since then, he's actually pitched pretty well. Um, you know, his stuff's pretty good. At, he, I know Cordero's had a really good year, but he was kind of – the main chip of that deal with it, Ben Attendee. So they, they kind of expect a lot from him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's looked pretty good so far. Um, just other since that first outing, he's got good stuff, but, um, you know, he has looked like a major league pitcher his last couple outings. So yeah, it's a totally different lineup. He's going to face now, you know, with this Yankees, I know the Cubs Cleveland's not a great lineup, but, um, at least he's done a pretty good job not a huge strikeout guy um he's more of a um pitch of contact type guy which could help out the yankees i feel like as as well um but the last couple of he's really shown that he does belong in the, in the big league uh, mount oh yeah, yeah yeah yes from what you from what you from what you said yeah it definitely does and uh but he's going up against garrett cole we know garrett cole had trouble in his last start at fenway but i do think the yankees come out victorious on thursday night tomorrow night yeah, I hope they do. I know um be the first time they see Winkowski, but yeah, I, as I mentioned, he's kind of more of a pitch to contact guy. So I feel like the Yankees should put a lot of balls in play. Maybe they kind of find something. I think it's a big start for Cole, too. I think, you know, he's got to really, you know, I think a lot of Yankee fans still have that back of the mind in uh, the wildcard game. And even um that first, the first game of the year, early on, the Red Sox kind of jumped on him. I know he sold in after that, but yeah, I feel like for Cole, it's a 
big story against the Red Sox that kind of, you know, they've kind of had his number, it, it feels like. So, yeah, I, the Yankees should be able to win that one on um, Thursday. I hope they get out to the fast start during the, uh, the weekend. Friday night, we got two really good pitchers going at it. We got Nestor Cortez against Michael Waka, two guys who have really good years for their teams. I think this is gonna. I think the Friday night's gonna be a close, competitive game. I know Waka was scratched on on Monday, but I think he has a, he has a good game against the Yankees, and I think the Red Sox come out victorious on Friday night. Yeah, um, actually, Waka had dead arm on Monday. That's where he scratched. He's supposed to be throwing off the mound, but course that he should be able to go Friday. But if not, you probably hear by. Probably pretty soon if he's not going to uh, pitch or not on um, Friday night. But yeah, I, I think the Red Sox do get this one. Nestor has he's you know been giving up the home run ball lately. Uh, you know I know he pitched pretty well uh, the other day, but against Cleveland. But yeah, the home run ball has kind of gotten in the last couple of hours. I, I think the Red Sox and then the way Walk has really been pitching. Um, they said they you know because they've been kind of pushing them a little bit more with all their pitches on the IL. So that's kind of why as well they. You know, figure try to give him a little bit of a break. So maybe he only goes five innings in this outing. Maybe the Yankees jump on their bullpen here. Um, but yeah, the way Walker's been pitching, I think the Yankees could have a tough night. Oh, I, I could very easily see the Yankees, especially if Rizzo doesn't play. I very mm-hmm. easily can see the Yankees having a tough night in that one. We go to Saturday. Jordan Montgomery's going for the Yankees. Red Sox have not announced a starter. What happened to Rich Hill? It seemed like Rich Hill was going to start one of these games. Um, but he's still on the IL. Okay. Right. It's, he's battling with an MCL. They think hopefully okay, the end you. of the yeah. month will be back. Yeah, yeah. And, and in this game, the Red Sox haven't announced a starter yet, but they had a good bullpen game on a Monday when they beat the Rays. So uh, they haven't announced a starter yet. So I got to go with the Yankees because I know who's pitching. So I think the Yankees win Saturday to give them their second win in three days against the Red Sox. Yeah, I think, you know, Montgomery, um, you know, hasn't been kind of – Great here as well, but it, I think on Saturday, I think I don't know if it's probably gonna be Cutter Crawford at some point. He's probably gonna be the bulk guy. It sounds like um, I don't know if he's gonna start the game or if he's gonna come in. It, they're gonna go bullpen first and Cutter Crawford, um, but expect to probably see Cutter Crawford in this game. Um, but yeah, I, I think they should be get you know Cutter Crawford finally looked good. Um, the other day against the Racy pitched well. I know he's got a couple of bad outings, like the Cardinals jumped on him a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I think the Yankees should be able to get this done. It's see, Montgomery's kept them in a lot of games this year, and I and in a bullpen game against the Red Sox, the Yankees should be able to put up some runs against them. We got the Sunday night game, and that's Jameson Sino against Nick Pavetta. Both pitchers struggled last night in both in the Yanks and Sox losses, but I think. Tyone has been struggling more than Pavetta has. That's why I think the Red Sox split. They get a split here and they win Sunday night. Tyone has really struggled. He didn't struggle against the A's. I know we got the win, but he struggled against the A's. He struggled last night. Struggled in that game against the Astros. The Yankees came back and won. So Tyone's really been struggling lately, and I think that's going to continue at Fenway Park Sunday night. That's why I got the Sox splitting, getting a split with the Yankees, winning Sunday night. Yeah, I think he could. Yeah, Pavetta on uh, last night. The first inning, he's only given up. He gave up only two runs going in last night. He gave up three last night. He's given up some hard contact in the first inning. I think that's where the Yankees are going to have to jump on him because he settled in after that. It was really good till the sixth there. Um, the Yankees jump on him early. I really like their chances. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Tyone. I just wonder Tyone's issue too is he's just too around the strike zone. Like he's only walked eleven guys where guys are just kind of jumping on him because they know he's going to be in the strike zone. And I, I wonder if that's part of his issue right now. I don't. I you know. 
I don't know. He was looked pretty good early on. I know he's starting to struggle now. Also, like, I don't know, you know, he's always kind of been banged up and all that. So I don't know if he's starting to kind of get tired or something. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, the way Pavetta's been pitching, it Tyone kind of worries me right now. I'll probably have to go with the Red Sox there on Sunday night. And I do think, yeah, the Red Sox get the split here this weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's, it should be a fun series. It's definitely why I have it being a split is the Red Sox need to keep pace. They need to keep pace with with the Blue Jays, Blue Jays and Rays, and they lost the Rays last night. And they got another team that I know has been really struggling, but they're going to get one of their best players back in Eloy Jimenez. I think they're going to have to keep pace with a team like the White Sox. So the Red Sox, these games mean a lot more to the Red Sox than do to the Yankees. The Yankees are on a historic pace. They've been playing great baseball. I know they've lost the last two games, but they've been playing great baseball. The Red Sox, this is really, really important for them to, you know, not get not get swept to the Yankees, you know, get, get you know, get or lose three out of four. Win, it's, for them, they either should they either need to win three out of four or get a split. So it's, it's a very important series for the Red Sox. And seeing the way the Red Sox have been playing, last week you said they're the second best team in the American in the uh in, in in the American League East. Seeing that they lost two or three to the Cubs and now have split with the Rays, you still think they're the second best team in the AL East? Right now, I, I, I think what the Red Sox issue has been is they don't play up to the con they 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 don't, they, they don't play well against the bad teams, it feels like, you know. Um, they the Cubs they didn't play well against, but they played well against Cleveland. You know, like you know, they played well against the Cardinals. They took them. You know, um, I the only thing is, which you know, I I kind of get a little bit worried about what the the Red Sox kind of of me not being think that they're saying best team is they're eight and seventeen against the division this year or eight and sixteen yeah. against the division. And there's going to be more that's, and more and more games against the division. And that's why these six games. Against the Yankees, I know they're probably not going to catch the Yankees, but they're crucial because they need this team needs confidence that they're going to beat teams inside their division. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and they play the Rays too next week again. So like they're in a 14 game stretch right now, I believe it is against just the Yankees and Rays. You know, so this is a huge 14 game to the Sox, and I think we're going to find out a lot about them. And I think too, like they're just missing all their guys. Like Valdi's probably going to pitch, I think, in a rehab game either this weekend or early next week. And he'll probably start one of those games next week at Yankee Stadium before the break. Um, and, and Sale, too, is going to be back next week as well. Sale is going tonight in Worcester, and you'll see him probably sometime next week. You know, he'll, I bet it's probably his ne- I bet it's probably next Monday because um, um, they're pitching that rookie tonight, Brian Balow, tonight. He probably goes down tonight, and he'll probably – take that spot on Monday. So you probably see Chris Sale go on Monday. So they get those two horses back, you know, they get Chris Sale back. They'll get a Baldy back too next week. I, I think, yeah, I think, you know, they're right now still, I think with those two guys on the mound and Paxson come back in August, they, they, I think they still will be the second best team there in, in the American league or American league. Yeah. East, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. should be very interesting to see what happens with the Red Sox going forward. But we got a topic. Justin's going to be hot, hot on to wrap up the show. We got two more. We got more uh, conference realignment in college football. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends from Shamrock Home Inspections. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing 
all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, we got con more conference realignment in college football as on Thursday, uh, UCLA and USC announced that they will be joining the Big Ten in 2000, for the 2024 season. And uh, this, is, this is crazy. I mean, this is just nuts. This is more crazy than Texas and Oklahoma because you got two teams from all the way out west now coming to the, now coming, uh, uh, to the middle of the country and going to be playing games in the East Coast. They're going to be playing games at Penn State. They're going to be playing games at Rutgers. They're going to be playing games at Maryland eventually. So this, this is crazy. And uh, the big question, the first question is, is, is this good for both, the, both these schools? And I think it's good and bad. First, it's good is, is because they're going to make more money. Their, their TV money is going to go – they're going to make more money – uh, on TV money, that's going and, and being in the conference, they're gonna, most schools are gonna make more money. I think I think it's bad because uh, uh, on the like USC right now with Lincoln Riley could dominate the Pac-12, and you've seen UCLA; they've been coming, they've been they've been playing better recently. So these two schools could be dominant schools in the in the in the Pac-12. Now they go to the Big Ten; it's definitely gonna be tougher for them. The one positive is, though, for like a USC, though, if they lose one game, they're still in it. Like in the Pac-12, it'd be hard for them to get to the college football playoff. But I think they would have been dominating the Pac-12. And in the Big Ten, I think USC is going to have some trouble. So I think it's good and bad. For, for the school, off the field, I think it's very good. They're going to make a lot more money. But on the field, I think it's going to be bad for both schools. Do you think it's good or bad for UCLA to join the Big Ten? And UCLA and USC oh. to join the Big Ten? I'm with you. I, the, good, the good is the money. The good is, you know, the Money, um, that they're going to be bringing it because the new contract or they're both be negotiating now because I think it ends at end of 2023. So, um, the, the timing for this is you know impeccable here for the Big Ten and and, and you know USC and UCLA here that are going to get a ton more money because I think right now it's a 10 year 440 million, something like that. I know that's for football and basketball combined. That's probably going to get more, you know, I don't know how much more they'll get, but they're definitely going to get more now UCLA and USC joining into the mix here. But, yeah, on the field-wise, I think they could probably, yeah, as you mentioned, Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers. What's going to happen that first game, USC goes up to Penn State in the middle of November, 30 degrees, right, freezing rain. None of those guys have they haven't played a game like that before. I know, yeah. You know, you know I think that, that could kind of hurt them. But, yeah, as you mentioned, too, USC, I think that was a great point. USC – could have dominated the Pac-12 in the next couple of years. I think they're a little bit overrated this year, um, right now. But but they got, I think in a year or two, any word on UConn football? That's also a wild guess at best. Um, the ACC is going to be the next to get poached here. I I you know I don't know if UConn's. I don't know if UConn will get an invitation anywhere, but I think the ACC is going to get poached. Um, I probably next here. I don't, I know the ACC is trying to come. It sounds like the ACC and big 10 have a soft alliance. I, I don't really believe much of that. I don't know. I haven't seen too much details yet um, on that. I, so right now I don't have a great guess. I could see, I don't know. I don't know if you kind of jump the ACC, um, but I, I I don't know. I think it I don't you know it, it depends on what happens next there. 
Um, let's see if Jim Moore can do anything washed up for enough. Phil Coach, does he have a solid? I think he's got a solid career. I really like what he's been doing on the recruiting trail. I like the energy he's brought. I again, he's been involved in every sport at UConn. I think that's been a good thing. So I, I really like Jim Moore. I like the staff that he's kind of building right now. I like I like that he's using the portal too. Randy Edge did not use any of that, and I like I think he got some good kids in the portal as well that could make a could make a uh, impact. Not. Try, again, they're not going to be very good. I think a two, three win team at the max, but two, three years, I think this team should find a way to get six, seven wins. Um, they're building a nice schedule two for an independent. So those are my guess on UConn. I, I, I do really like the gym more higher. I didn't like it. Maybe, you know, the first kind of couple hours there, but after a day or two, I did really come to like this higher. And I, I think he'll do a good job here. I um, like the gym. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like, what are you going to say, Justin? Yeah, I'll let you, you can go. I'll let you go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I like the more higher, but it's going to be very hard for UConn to join one of these major conferences because the basketball team, this is one of the rare things where basketball is – this is one of the rare schools where basketball means more than football. And I don't think the basketball team is going to want to leave the Big East, so I think it's very, very – it's going to be very hard for UConn to join any conference like the ACC or the uh, or, 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 or the or the Big 12. I think it's going to be very, very hard for UConn to, to join any, any of those conferences – uh, because I don't think the basketball team wants to move and say they want to join like a uh, join like the Mac. Uh, the, the, the thing is, is uh, uh, the, the basketball team is not going to join the Mac. They want to, they're going to want to stay. They're going to want to stay in the big East. So I think it's going to be very, very hard for you kind of join a conference. I think seeing where they're probably eventually going to have to go. I think they're going to have to go to one double A. I think they're going to have to drop the one double A. I think that's the best destination for UConn if they don't stay independent. Yeah, I well, this is the point I was talking about with kind of college football. It, when we kind of go the direction wise, I just think you know, I actually you know, I'll, I'll say this now, but I, I think you know when the SEC and Big Ten are going to, there's going to be two super conferences. That's all that's going to matter. They're going to exclude everybody else, and it's going to be like you're playing at everyone else is going to be like you're playing at FCS level. Nobody's really going to care, unfortunately. So it may be hard, maybe you know. Maybe they would have to. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they'll do that. I think Benedict really wants the – that Flaker really wants to keep on this level. I think more – because I think UConn, if they could get six, seven wins a year, fans will show up. Like, I, I think you'll get – I think you'll get people at Rensselaer Field. I'd start going again. You know, they're much cheaper than basketball tickets now. You know, we're not getting basketball tickets anymore. They're, they're too expensive, you know. So, I, I again, I'll start supporting the football team if they give me a good reason to – they start winning on the field. I start showing up to some games, you know, more often. So, um, I, I, you know, I could see them the way they're building independent. It'll, it'll be interesting. Nordine, I don't think is going to be an independent anymore. I would, I don't think this is going to happen, but I would love to see Kansas come independent and join the Big East basketball. I don't, I don't know what, if that's going to happen because it sounds like the Big Twelve is going to poach from the Pac twelve as as well. Um, you know, but. You know, air sounds like Bright versus the Pac-12 make you know try to poach some Big 12. I just think they should kind of combine there. But like, could they add maybe Kansas basketball wise? It'll be interesting what they do. I think kind of the realignment. You may see something try to go independent. I would love to see a Syracuse pit if they don't get you know they can't find a new home to go independent as well. And you join like what it was back in like the 70s. You know, Pitt was independent. Syracuse was. There's a lot of those teams are independent. Maybe they do. Maybe they join back up in the Big East because basketball-wise, basketball-wise for UConn to join the ACC, I don't think it's a good idea because, you know, try not to go too much detail. But think about all those schools that left the Big East. 
they all use that New York kind of pipeline, New York City pipeline. Yeah. They they don't and they can't, they, can't use, they can't use it anymore. No, 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 no. So and that's what you kind of think showed with two in the American Conference. They couldn't use that pipeline anymore. And now I think it would hurt you kind of as well basketball wise at least the Big East. I think basketball wise it's a great thing. I remember Jim Penn's baseball coach said, you know, he want you know, he's like it's a basketball school. Go to the go to the go to the Big East. I know it'll hurt baseball, but you know, I know. May not be the best thing for baseball. Go with Big East. Edsel was on board with the independent. I think Mora probably knows too. It's a basketball school. He wants to kind of make it more to football, but it's a basketball school. You know, if we got to stay independent, we'll do it. But I think as long as Moore is there, I think you know they'll stay. They'll. They'll. I think Moore will make them competitive at the independent level. I don't think they're getting. They're not getting a New York Six Bowl or anything like that anytime soon. But I think they'll get the bowl games under him. And I think that's all. That's all I want is UConn. Fans. Just get the bowl games. Yeah, we'll see what happens with UConn. But heading, uh, circling back to USC and UCLA, is this good or bad for college football? And I think it's bad, and you mentioned it. I think we're getting to a point where the Big 12 and the AC, the Big 12, the and uh, the, the Pac-12 and the ACC are going to become irrelevant. Yeah, I, it's 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 unfortunate. I think they're going to build two super. Con- I think they're both at some point going to get to 20 each at the Big Ten and, and SEC, and I think that that's going to be the cutoff line. Um, you know, I think. Illinois, I know, has already, I guess, with his power, again, he's got so much money and all that. I, I wouldn't be surprised they try to they get somehow in the Big Ten. I think Nor, I think Nordane at this point, if the, I think Nordane's gonna gonna have an answer here at the Big Ten or not after this TV contract gets finalized. Um, because I think at this the Big Ten thing, they'll get more money than they would from NBC. And I think this is I think Nordane's probably gonna figure out that it's time to go to a conference. They're gonna make more money. I know they love their independence. I, I, I know it's such a big thing for them, but they're not gonna I think it's gonna be a hard time survive prize an independent. Um, I think it's a horrible thing because I think you're gonna lose the casual fans, I think too. Like I don't Outside, because what Pac-12 fan now is going to want to watch any Big Ten football? You know, they're never, I'll never, never. Yeah, I'll be honest. It, I never, I couldn't watch Big East games for a while, the last couple of years. I, I, you know, I don't like watching Syracuse games. I don't like watching Pittsburgh games. I hope you know all those teams crumble. Like you mean, they, you mean, like you mean ACC has. games? You mean ACC? Yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can't mean, stand yeah. watching ACC. You know, yeah, I. I, I you know, because yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think what's yeah. going to happen is, is I think UCLA and USC, they're obviously in the Big Ten. I think Oregon's going to join them. I think Notre Dame's going to go to the Big Ten. I think you've, I don't know about Washington, but but then I mean, in the SEC, I think Florida State and Miami are going to the SEC, and I think Clemson's going to the SEC. Yep, I'm right there with you. I agree with those. Washington's going to be interesting. I think I don't know if the brand's big enough. I know they've had success. I don't know if the brand's going to be big enough though. I that I did bring them up. Stanford was my other one, but I know lately they haven't been good, but I don't know if it would entice Notre Dame more if they bring in another rival. I don't you know because I'm right there on the fence with them in Washington. I do eventually need to be 20, but I agree with the three ACC schools. I think Miami's gone. I think Florida State's going to be gone. I think Clemson's gone. I don't know if UCF could get to a level where they – I don't think the SEC's going to be interested in them, but I think they, they try to they figure out one more way to poach somebody. I don't know who that team is yet, um, but yeah, I think, and I just think too, you're just gonna lose it. And, this, and college football is my favorite sport. The last couple of years, it's been college basketball. Because, and one thing I love about college basketball that we don't get in college football is we invite everybody's invited to the table. 
college football, it's an exclusive invite. And you're just making it so exclusive. You're making it another – you're making a mini NFL. And what I love about college football is all, like, the rivalries and all, like, the regional kind of bragging rights and all that. And you're just kind of losing that with making all these super conferences, you know. And you see it, USC and UCLA are never going to have a rival with Rutgers and, you know, Maryland. You know, maybe, maybe, with Penn, maybe they do with Penn State because those are two uh, great programs. And, again, that would be great to watch. But I'll, I'll miss, you know, and I know it's not – Again, because I know I'm a hardcore fan, but like I'll miss USC playing like Cal, you know, those kind of in-state schools. You're not going to see that. Yeah, so. and, and then you you sometimes get that upset when they play those in-state yeah. schools. Yeah, like the Oregon State there was like a 40-point dog in 07. They knocked them I'm, off. What? Remember Stanford was like a like yeah, a, like a, like a huge underdog in 07, 42-point underdog, and they beat USC yep. on their home field. Yep. Yeah. Like you're not going to get that anymore. You know, and I think that's that's the stuff you're going to miss. And um, I think basketball wise, it's going to, you know, stink for, you know, UCLA, Arizona. That's a great kind of robbery it, basketball wise. I, I talk about basketball wise. I wonder, I've not heard anything on Bill Walton. Bill Walton has got to be so upset right now. And the problem is basketball wise, they're going to be traveling all the time. It's going to yeah. be terrible basketball wise for USC and UCLA. They're going to be traveling all the time. And the thing is, is with the, with, the, with those conferences and basketball, it's, it's, it's going to hurt basketball too with all these super conferences is because, I mean, those conferences will probably end up being irrelevant in basketball as well. I mean, outside of the Big East, there'll be three yeah. conferences: the Big East, the uh, the SEC, and the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, it's just it, you know, it'll be disappointing. And you talk basketball too wise is, you know, it, the NCAA does not really the NCAA. They only care about college basketball. Money. That's all they care about. They, you know, Greg Sankey runs college football. He he runs college football. He's the unofficial commissioner of college football. Because the NC doesn't sanction anything anymore. You know, yeah, college basketball, wise. Again, I wish it could just be a football move. And I know that's the Pac-12 and the Big 12 wouldn't allow that with Oklahoma, Texas. And it's the same thing with the Pac-12. They're, you know, they wouldn't allow it. Because, like, you talk basketball. But think of all the Olympic sports. And USC and UCLA yep. have a great history of Olympic sports. Exactly, yep, yep. It's non-revenue. Yep, yep. You would hope some of that money goes to those programs and they could kind of get some charter flights and all that. Because I don't know how – how is that going to be for them? Because, you know, sitting in an airport, having to wait a couple hours, some of the, you know, delayed flight delays, you know, the, the long travels, it's just, you know, I, I, that's kind of where I worry about it too, for those programs. Again, great football wise. I think, you know, basketball wise too, you know, it, it kind of same thing. It's great. I think for them money wise, but yeah, it's going to kind of hurt those regional brand rivalries and all that. And, you know, um, the travels I think could be, could be very tough, and that's why everyone's kind of trying to get Gonzaga to Big East now. But like it's the same thing with that. that that's not going to happen. Gonzaga's not going to want to play cross country every time. So um, it's just yeah, it's going to be tough, especially in those Olympic sports. I just Big Ten baseball too. Like Big Ten baseball stinks. So that USC UCLA would bring good for baseball, but you know that's you know it'll it'll be interesting to see how how it goes but yeah i just i think for college football it's i just think it's gonna turn more fans away like i i i I hate the realignment stuff i've hated it ever since you know 10 years ago um i i don't like the realignment stuff it's a thing that's gonna keep happening but i think it's a bad thing for college football again it's gonna be big big 10 sec is gonna be like a probably a four 14 playoff like we see now probably four to 
maybe they go to eight. I don't know, but I, I think it's Babcock football. I think it's going in the wrong direction. And, you know, it, it kind of has been with the playoffs, not being what it has. And I think that's why I come to why college basketball has become probably my favorite sport. You know, I still love college football, but I don't like the directions going in. Yeah, it's not. It's sad that everything in college sports is all about money. It's been going on for the last decade. So all these traditional rivalries are coming to an end because everything in college sports has become about money. But that's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with R&J. For, 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 I'm Steve Risser. And for, for Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking again, talking about the Yankees and Red Sox and continue to talk about Kevin Durant. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. It's two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.